Hey everybody, and welcome to Well Said, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill's podcast, where we talk with students, faculty, and staff about what's going on on campus and around the world. And today we're talking about Carolina's HIV research with Mike Cohen, professor of medicine, microbiology, and epidemiology, and the director of the Institute for Global Health and Infectious Diseases. Throughout the past couple decades, Carolina has become this hub for HIV research, with teams like yours working tirelessly to study the topic, and now we have this partnership with GSK with the goal of curing AIDS. How exactly did Carolina become this hub? That's a really great question about the evolution of HIV research and treatment here at UNC. And it's really a evolution from the very beginning of the HIV pandemic. Basically, when HIV first started, UNC had the privilege of taking care of lots of people with hemophilia. And unfortunately, the blood supply became contaminated. This is 1980. So in a small town like Chapel Hill, we ended up having a really big problem with HIV because so many people with hemophilia had moved to Chapel Hill to get their care or got their care here. So the small number of people on the faculty then got very, very involved in HIV treatment and research. By 1985, about 10% of all the admissions to the hospital for HIV infection, which is a really big tragedy. So for any disease, you can do prevention, treatment, and cure. And UNC got involved in all three aspects of those activities uh, for HIV. There's various teams studying different topics, but what is the overarching goal here at Carolina when it comes to studying HIV? We have a three-part goal. We have really three different groups working here that are working, of course, in collaboration, and they work across the entire university. It's not just in the medical school or the School of Public Health. It is a university-wide activity that I think has been internationally recognized. For prevention, we have a very large group committed to all aspects of HIV prevention, behavioral and biological. Per treatment, the treatment group led by Dr. Joe Iran is, is recognized as one of the most talented in the country developing new strategies to improve treatment. The treatment has gone from 16 to 20 pills a day to one pill a day and a normal lifespan if you take good treatment. And then for the cure group, Dr. Margolis and Garcia and others, they came here about a decade ago committed to trying to cure HIV because everything's a Band-Aid except for a vaccine and a cure. So what we want is a vaccine that will prevent HIV infection and a cure that will eradicate infection and leave people without the need to take pills the rest of their lives. However, it's important to recognize the treatment's so good now that with one pill a day, a normal lifespan, that any cure has to fit into the idea that HIV is now a pretty easily treated chronic disease. You just mentioned how far treatment has come throughout the years. At one point, this was a death sentence for someone who was diagnosed with HIV, and now it's something that's become very manageable. How has Carolina contributed to this progress? I think UNC's made some pretty substantial contributions. For prevention, we had the privilege of leading the HPTN 052 study that demonstrated that treatment of an infected person effectively eliminates their ability to transmit to the next person. This really changed guidelines worldwide in about 2011, leading people to earlier and more substantial treatment. The treatment group has made many, many contributions to simplification of treatment and developing new drugs. And then I think it's fair to say we're one of the largest and most effective cure groups in the country right now, if not the world. So lots of discoveries made, 
and I could be ever more specific and narcissistic, but suffice it to say that I think the group is recognized for their contributions. You've personally contributed a lot to the advancement of HIV treatment. What have you focused on in your research? The work that, that I've done over many years is really referred to often as treatment as prevention. Now, the way that all started, and it's kind of an interesting story, so I'll be a, just a little bit long-winded. In 1985, there was no treatment for HIV. The infection was universally fatal. In 1987, our neighbor, Burroughs Welcome, ultimately Glaxo, our neighbor developed the first drug called AZT for the initial treatment of HIV, a single drug. At that moment in time, for a variety of reasons, our group here became interested in whether the use of AZT could prevent the onward transmission of HIV. So I had the privilege then of hiring a lot of people over many years all working on that problem from 1988 until around 2000, mostly doing pharmacology, mostly looking at how effective are these drugs in eliminating the virus from compartments like the genital tract, which would be required for onward transmission or prevention of onward transmission. Having studied these drugs and chosen the drugs we thought that could be used for treatment, for prevention, we got permission to do a clinical trial, as I said, called HIV Prevention Trial Number 052. And that trial took a long time to develop and a long time to get started. And ultimately, it, it proved really important because it demonstrated, as I've already indicated, that when you treat people, you render them no longer contagious. And that became, in 2011, the science breakthrough of the year. It remains the most cited article in the New England Journal over many years in terms of demonstrating a fundamental principle of biology. Looking at it from the big picture, what's the significance of these findings? How can it help people? When you treat an individual who's sexually active and their viral replication is suppressed, they're healthy, and they're no longer contagious. So then the real question at a population level is, can you treat enough people to make HIV go away? And the answer is probably yes. If you treat enough people early enough and reliably enough, you will see a decrement in new cases of HIV in a population. And this has been demonstrated already in parts of Africa, probably demonstrated in the state of Massachusetts and elsewhere. So what happened is the World Health Organization and UNAIDS flipped their policy to say that early detection of HIV, immediate treatment, and sustained treatment was essential for personal health, but also essential for public health. So that's the implication of demonstrating the magnitude of the benefit from treating people with HIV. Before we did that study, it wasn't known whether if you treat people, maybe there'll be a 50% reduction in chance of transmission. But in fact, what, what happened was that the reduction in transmission was complete. And that was a powerful marketing force from a biological observation. For this to work, it sounds like people need to get tested so they can know early on that they're infected with HIV. How important is it for people to take an HIV test? The route to all things good related to HIV is the test. Because the negative test reinforces that your behaviors to date have allowed you to remain negative and to the extent that you are thinking about safer sex behaviors and reducing any risk of HIV, that's great. The positive test, when done early, allows people to live a completely normal lifespan. So the next step after the test is linkage to care, retention to care, and lifelong viral suppression. Now, here's the problem and the solution. 
The problem is that the day you learn that you're HIV positive, you're, you also are told now you're going to take pills the rest of your life for this infection, which is not all the different some other diseases for arthritis and other diseases. But for HIV, there's a special opportunity in a sense. We are going to cure this infection. So while you start pills today, the idea that you're going to take one pill a day the rest of your life, I don't believe is correct. Either the treatment will change so you'll be treated once a year or every once in a while, or we'll cure the infection over the next five or 10 years. Something will, every 10 years, something changes dramatically in HIV. 1985, the infection was universally fatal. 1995, people were taking 15 pills a day in order to constrain the infection. 2005, one pill a day. 2015, we have injectable treatments that last eight weeks that are being developed here and elsewhere. Things change in the management of HIV, and the person who gets the test and it's positive takes their pills now, guaranteed a normal lifespan essentially, but also with the almost certain guarantee that the treatment will change and be simpler, and most likely they'll be cured before the end of their lives. There's definitely been some big changes since you started your research back in the 80s. Looking back, did you ever think that we would be at this point where HIV is so manageable? Oh, you know, it's funny. I've worked on this my entire career, and it's all like a blur. I remember the first, I, I saw the first patient here, I believe at UNC with, with HIV, a young man with hemophilia, and that was in 1981, roughly. And then I've worked on this the entire time from 81 now to whatever year it is. And it's all incremental. None of it was like one day I woke up and everything was different. But incrementally, it's hugely different from 1985 when everyone died. And when we started working in Africa in 1990, it was like going backwards, right? Because everyone died. But now, as I've said, it's a treatable disease. And so the changes in HIV disease that we've observed are probably the greatest revolution in health and public health in our lifetime. Taking a universally fatal disease and making it a chronic disease is enormous. Taking a disease that was universally transmitted or very frequently transmitted from mom to baby and getting that transmission rate down to less than 1% under proper conditions is enormous public health achievement. When I look at it over the long range, I can see this achievement, but it's all incremental. Every year, there's other discoveries that contribute to where we are today. Looking forward, what's the next step in HIV research? What's the next thing that we need to be focusing on? We need to make a vaccine unequivocally. And we, it, if it takes us a thousand years, we have to make a vaccine for HIV. And we're doing a lot of work in the vaccine space right now. And we need a cure. Now, the cure might be not really a complete cure, but a, an intervention that gets people off their pills for a year, which would be great. Or, uh, for example, we're working on implants where the drug is leached out of an implant in the arm for a year. So once a year, you get a replacement of your antiviral drugs. You wouldn't ever think about it under those conditions. But the alternative is that we're hoping to, to succeed at is a real cure. You take some intervention and the infection is eradicated. Now, we've seen that for other infections, of course. We certainly see that for most bacterial infections. We cure them, pneumonia and meningitis. And for some viral diseases like hepatitis C, we went from that being a chronic disease that causes liver failure to it now being a curable disease, a disease where one pill for eight weeks and you're, you're cured, or eight to 12 weeks. So it is not beyond hope that we'll do the same thing for HIV. 
Thanks for listening to the podcast today, and don't forget to check back to unc.edu next week for another episode of Well Said.